that every day has its purpose. Whether it's an easy run recovering or a workout, there's, there's a purpose to every single run. Keeping that in mind when I go out and lace up my shoes is definitely gonna help me in this last part of training for Boston. Welcome to episode 117 of the Running on Ohm podcast. This is your host, Julia Hamlin, and I'm excited to have Louis Serafini, runner and coach at Heartbreak Hill Running Company and Southend Athletic Company on the podcast. Lewis's podcast is the start of the Rue Rises series. This week, I'm publishing seven podcasts in seven days. I've never done this before, and this is a pretty big jump for me. The most I've ever published in a week is three podcasts. So this is a big deal, and I'm doing this because I want to help Running on Ohm grow, rise, and spread the stories of the amazing pioneers that I'm bringing on every week. Each day this week, I'm going to ask you to help me share the podcast conversation in a different way. So today, after hearing Lewis's story, please rate the podcast on iTunes. All it takes is going to iTunes and pressing on one to five stars, whatever you see fit for the quality of this podcast experience. These little acts of helping Rue rise will allow the podcast to gain more visibility in the iTunes interface, which is going to help bring more new listeners to the podcast and also help me take this podcast to the next level so that I can continue to give you this podcast for free, weekly, and at an even higher quality. I cannot begin to tell you guys how much it means to me to hear from you, whether it's your email, your tweet, your Instagram comment about how running on Ohm is impacting your life. It really makes a difference every time I hear from one of you. So this week, I want to hear from you guys sevenfold. Seven days, seven podcasts, seven little acts you can do to help take running on Ohm to the next level. Thank you guys so much for joining in. In today's conversation, I talk with Louis Serafini on finding the purpose to every run. Lou is an accomplished Boston-based runner and coach who has an incredible story of hard work, passion, and intentionality in all that he does. Lou graduated from Boston College in spring 2013 and has been continuing to train at a very high level in hopes of hitting the Olympic qualifying standard at the 2015 Boston Marathon. Lou not only logs 100-plus mile weeks in this crazy winter weather that we've had in Boston, but he also works full-time at Heartbreak Hill Running Company and South End Athletic Company as a coach to runners and a store manager at the Heartbreak Store. I'm excited to have Lou on the Running on Ohm podcast and help kick off this week of the Rue Rises series. Let's jump into the show. Welcome, Lou, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thanks for having me. So Lou and me get to be sitting in person in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and we have been trying to connect for a while for this podcast interview, so it's really exciting to finally get to dig in together and explore your story. So going back in time, what inspired you to lace up your shoes and go for a run? Um, so my, my father was a runner in college. He ran for Bentley University, and it's always just kind of been part of my life. So if I was, whether I was playing baseball, I was always the kid that was trying to steal bases, or um, with football, I was the running back. Um, and I always got dragged along to road races, and it eventually evolved into the point where it was the sport that I really excelled at and, and kind of took over my life in that way. But it was always just kind of there. So um, my mom my mom had a running group that she started in upstate New York called um, Niski Moms on the Run. I'm from Niski Una, New York. 
and they would meet every single morning to to run before before school started before these moms sent their kids off to to school so it was always just just there it's been a huge part of my life since since i can remember that's really beautiful that it was such a community-based thing for you and your family and that you got to see that and i mean you're carrying that on now in your own community in boston so when did running become a formal thing for you in which it became structured or you were on an actual team? Sure. Um, so probably the first formal experience I had with running was sixth or seventh grade. Um, we would do like the gym class mile and I would always, I always took that very seriously. I always wanted to try to, to win that. Um, but I, I joined the uh, high school cross country team in seventh grade. Never really took it very seriously. Like I said, I always just kind of had a natural ability to run. Um, but I used to hate it, to, to, to be perfectly honest. I, I didn't enjoy doing easy runs and, and training workouts, but uh, I did always enjoy competing. Um, and it really turned over my, my sophomore year of high school. Um, I would always do running as a, as a way to stay in shape for baseball. That was, that was the big sport in my life up until 10th grade. And... Uh, my indoor season of 10th grade, I ended up running some really fast times and uh, my my running coach or my, my track coach, uh, he made a bold prediction. He said like, if you if you give up baseball and come out and do outdoor track, you'll run 420 in the mile. Or he said, you'll break 430 in the mile. And I, I didn't think it was possible, but it got me really excited. And I, I took a lot of time to think about it and uh, ended up making that decision. And since then, it's, it's really just taken over my life from that point so uh first first and foremost seventh grade and then uh it really turned a corner I would say 10th grade of high school and that outdoor spring in sophomore year yep. did you break 430 and what was that experience like I did so so indoor track I, I made my first ever state meet um and I ran 432 on our relay team they do like in New York they do a big intersectional relay which is kind of cool you get to run with other runners from around the state. So it's kind of like a DMR, if you're familiar with what that is, a distance medley relay, and I ran the anchor on that. Uh, so I ran 432 there, which was a PR at the time. And then outdoors, I, I got the opportunity to run against a really good senior, and uh, he just ran even splits, and I just followed right along, and I ended up running 422 and making the outdoor state meet, and uh, that just got me even more excited about the sport from there. That's a huge leap a to big make jump. in such a short amount of time. Mm -hmm. What were you doing in your training at that time that helped catapult you to that next level? Uh, I don't think it was much, to be honest with you. It, it was more, um, if you recall earlier when I said that I, I was never like, I never loved running uh, like I do now. Uh, I would always just kind of go out and, and slack off on the easy days. And I think the big jump came from me just taking the sport more seriously going out and doing my recovery runs properly um getting to bed earlier the night before workouts i think uh, i didn't change too much from day to day uh in terms of actually running but my preparation and my overall mentality really shifted i think and that was probably the reason i, I made such big jumps that year and i imagine you continue to grow as a runner throughout high school when did you know that you wanted to run in college and that be a huge part of your college decision? Uh, so I, I started seeing running as kind of a gateway to college. I would say I matured a little bit later than most kids. Um, my grades weren't awesome my, my freshman year. I never really thought about college. Um, I knew I wanted to go, but it was always just kind of an afterthought. 
when I ran these fast times sophomore year and, and got really excited about the sport, I was, I was fortunate enough to be um, running with a lot of very, very smart um, athletes at Niskayuna. Uh, everyone that was on the, the team my, my junior year of cross country, they were all seniors. And they were all applying to colleges and, and talking about these great schools. That's when it really started to, to pop into my mind, like, hey, like I can use running as a way to, to go to a really good college. I can get my grades up a little bit. Um, I can use this sport as a way to get into a good school, run, run competitively going forward, um, and, and further my education that way. So uh, my junior year was really when that, that really started to click for me. Uh, I, was, I was training hard, I was working hard, I was taking honors classes, which I'd never done before, and, and that really, really was a turning point for sure. So I would say junior year was when I, when I first decided I wanted to run in college. And why did you choose BC, Boston College, as the place that you wanted to run? Uh, there were a few factors. Um, one big factor was I wanted to be near a city. Uh, that was that was a big factor. Uh, Niskayuna, New York, is a is a great town, and I love going home to visit. But it's very small. Uh, there's no, there's not a whole lot going on there. Uh, and I knew I wanted to change. I wanted to to go somewhere a little bit different. And uh, I didn't apply to too many places. I it came down. It ended up coming down to Boston College and probably SUNY Binghamton was the other choice. Uh, I had a great visit at SUNY Binghamton. Uh, but I think BC was always the number one choice all along, and uh, when I when I got the uh, the letter of acceptance, I just kind of knew, you know, um, that, that that was going to be the school for me. So, when you look back at your time at BC, what stands out as the most mentally challenging race you had? Ooh, <laughs> there's there's been quite a few of them. Um, the first race that, that popped into my mind, and it was not particularly one of my better races for sure, um, but it was my first ever 5K on the track. It was my, I think my junior year of college, and we went down to, we go down to Raleigh Relays in North Carolina every year. It's a really fun meet. We don't take the whole team, just a, a few of the higher performers to go down and, and run some fast times early in the spring. And this is my first ever 5K. I was making a step up. I was a miler uh, for my first couple of years. Um, and I was really excited. My training had been going very well. I'd up to my mileage a little bit, feeling confident. And uh, the gun went off, and in the first 100 meters, my right shoe came off. Um, I got clipped. It was just a little bit too far in the race to, uh, to fall down and, and try to get a restart. Um, and I ended up running the entire race with one shoe. And uh, I was shooting to run probably maybe in the 1440s to the 1430 range would have been great uh, but I didn't have like a, a certain time it was more just like go run your first 5k see what it feels and then we'll build from there um, and I came through the 3k in 840 so probably like 1430 5k pace and and my coach was just like just keep going like if you if you can hold the space you're gonna run a great time and I ended up finishing uh, I fell apart a little bit the last couple uh, thousand meters and ran 15 flat point like zero something which was fine, um, but that was definitely a mentally challenging race. There was probably 10 to 15 times when I thought, like, oh, I could just drop out right here. No one, no one would say anything. Like, I lost a shoe. I have a completely valid excuse. Um, but I finished it, and it was a really, really great um, uh, obstacle for me to overcome. And I ran some, some really, really 
fast times after that race and uh, just had some good confidence from that figured if I can run 15 flat with one with one shoe I can run much faster with two and uh, that's what ended up happening so so when you hit those mental roadblocks where you felt like it was so easy to just give up what kept you in it uh, I think just I think my competitive edge that I've, I've always felt that I've had I've always been a competitive person you and I have spoken about this before before we started this interview like I'm, I'm a very competitive person um, I like to think that I can I can go out there and lace up against anyone and have a and have a good chance if I run a smart race and uh, and compete I can I can I can win that's that's always been my mentality with running and part of the reason why I love it so much is it's just very um, on paper it's it's very simple the fastest person wins the race and um, I think my competitive side propels me for sure so when I lost a shoe it, it's just kind of like well I can still run right now like it's just just a shoe <laughs> whatever uh, and I continued on and, and and it went fine and I have I have bad races and it's that competitive instinct that I have that keeps me going and, and helps me to overcome those bad races and move on to the next one and just you know knowing maybe there's something else I can be doing in my training that's gonna help um, and help me approach you know approach the race a little bit differently and and uh and in better shape or whatever it is so i think that's that's the main thing that helps with your foot that didn't have a shoe on it did you notice like the next day if it felt really sore oh, yeah. what happened actually <laughs> physically to uh foot? three to four days off <laughs> um, i went straight to the training room it, it was weird i couldn't really feel it after the race it was definitely that was probably my first real running injury, actually. I've been very fortunate um, to be a pretty healthy runner, and knock on wood, I always have to do that when I say that. Um, but that was probably the first time I had to take a significant time off, and when I say significant, it's four days for me. Um, just no running, it was very tender, um, easy, light jogging, but it was weird. I had uh, some cuts and scrapes, but overall, I was, I was lucky enough to not have that affect me long term. I wonder if that's a Guinness record of a, a one-shoe 5K record. I've, I've seen it before. If you if you go to a, a BU meet indoors, I think you're guaranteed to see someone running barefoot. I don't know how fast, but okay. um, I'm sure there's plenty of, of Eastern African runners that are out there running barefoot without shoes on a True. daily basis. So I think, though, it's the one shoe, though. It was, it was a weird feeling because I had so much traction on my left side, but then on the right side, it was... I eventually just forgot and just was running at that point. But. Yeah. And post-collegiately, you've still continued to PR and explore new distances. Was it clear to you when you graduated from BU, excuse me, when you graduated <laughs> from BC, yep. that you wanted to continue running and really pursue it in a big way? Uh, no. I think if you ask my friends at, at BC, they would say that I was going to continue running. Uh, but for me, I, I genuinely thought, I don't know if I'm going to ever get back on the track. Uh, I was injured second semester of my senior year, which is very difficult. It was the only time I've ever been injured um, since I started running. Uh, for a real significant portion of time, I was hurt for almost the entire um, indoor and outdoor season that year, which was hard. Um, and I knew when I graduated, I wanted to take a break from racing. I knew I would continue to run. I would, you know, way, way less than I did in college. Uh, but I didn't race until I, mean, I did a few road races over the summer, but I didn't do anything serious probably until the following summer. And it was very nice to just take that year and just 
remember why I started running. Uh, remember why I picked it up in the first place and why it makes me happy, why it brings me joy. Um, and I, I really did use that full year to remember. And what ended up happening was I started to get the itch again. That competitive side of me kind of came back and I decided that maybe I want to do some road races again. And um, I was actually helping a friend last year train for Boston. Uh, he, he ended up running a great marathon and I was happy to be a part of that. And I was jumping in and doing these long runs with him. And uh, I, one day I just, I finished like a 18 mile long run with him. And I figured I might as well just go try to run a Boston qualifier. I've always wanted to run the Boston Marathon. I, I'm doing these long runs with my friend. I might as well just go do that. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to be um, admitted into the Vermont City Marathon. Uh, the race director did a great job of letting me into that race. And I had an awesome experience there. I ran a very difficult um, 236, but that got me into, the, into Boston. My last six miles were probably the most painful um, six miles I've ever run in my life, but got me in and all of a sudden there was a race on my schedule, Boston 2015, and that brings me all the way around back to where I am now, uh, training competitively and, and I've been fortunate to hit some PRs like you mentioned and uh, kind of find that, that competitive racing side that I had in college that I wasn't sure if I was gonna was ever going to come back and it's, it's definitely here again, so it's yeah, exciting. It is really exciting. I think Another evolution in your running journey has really been your work at South End Athletic Company and Heartbreak Hill Running Company. Were, was, were those things that you were aware of during your time at BC as communities in the running world, or how did you get connected with it? Uh, so it was kind of a not as long of a road to get to where I am now um, professionally um, in the work world, but Heartbreak Hill Running Company was always, it was always there uh, when I was in school. It's at uh, it's located at mile twenty of the marathon course. BC's at mile twenty one, so it's just down the hill. Um, my assistant coach Tim Ritchie, former teammate, he used to work there part time, so I knew he worked there. And it was it was funny. Like we would always joke with him, like, "Oh, Tim, can you get me a part time job?" And he would laugh, and he'd be like, "No, you're no way." <laughs> um, and I actually had an internship my whole senior year at a PR firm in uh, Newton, and I loved it. It was it was it was good work. I, I did never really knew exactly what I wanted to do post collegiately, but I enjoyed you know making a little money on the side. I was learning a lot about a professional career I knew nothing about in PR. Um, I had a good boss who was he was really kind of mentoring me and bringing me along to work there full time. And that's what I did. So I graduated and I, I started working at a Ball Consulting Group was the name of the firm. And uh, it wasn't, it was okay. I knew I was learning a lot and I knew that was important, but it wasn't my passion. Um, I started working at Heartbreak Hill in South End um, my September after I graduated. So September, 2013, just as a part-time weekend help type thing. Uh, I got that job through Jillian King, who I went to college with and she's from the town over from me back home, so I've known her forever, and uh, she actually hooked up me and my roommate Kyle with positions there. Uh, so I started working there, and, and I really liked it. It was fun. It was it was fun to um, to be able to just be part of the running world again for the first time since college. And what ended up happening was their full time person uh, ended up leaving for another career opportunity, and they asked me if I wanted to work there full time. And, when I first got the question, um, this this it was March 2014. Now is where we're at. Um, I kind of was. My first thought was no. Like I have a good job right now. I'm I'm about to get a promotion. Um, 
kind of moving up the ranks in the PR world. And uh, I went home and I thought about it that night and uh, I thought, you know, this, I would be happier. That's one thing. Um, that's important. And I talked to my parents about it and really slept on it. My roommate, Kyle, thought it'd be a good idea. He thought it would improve my overall um, happiness in life. And uh, after 24 to 36 hours after the initial question, I, I had made the decision that I, I wanted to make the switch. And uh, it's I would say it's probably up until this point in my life the best decision I've ever made. Uh, my overall happiness has increased tenfold, and uh, and it's it's just a really great company to be a part of uh, for where I'm at right now. So that's the story of uh, how I came to work there. I just celebrated my one year full time anniversary last week. So so yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. With your work, I know you get to coach as a component of that and lead different group runs. How has that been for you to take on the role as coach, and mm -hmm. how has that impacted your own running? It's uh, it's been a step. I always uh, looked at coaching as something that I might want to pursue down the line. Um, one of my bosses, Dan Fitzgerald, he's the person that I work under every day. Um, he's a he's a coach in Boston now. He coaches Nike Boston. He coaches a lot of charity team runners for the Boston Marathon each year, and he's been a great mentor for me. I always thought I was um, I had the ability to coach until I met Dan and realized I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and so so the, so the working under him and seeing what he does on a daily basis and, and just learning has been great. And uh, coaching is still something that I may want to pursue going forward. So, so just to give you a little bit of background, um, every Wednesday I coach, um, I coach a speed workout at Boston College, so at the rec center. That's my one time a week I get to go back to BC and, uh, and just be part of that. Uh, campus again and I've, I've got some some runners that will we'll show up we'll do an easy workout we'll do some some repeats on the track or we'll head up to the treadmills and do a light fart lick and, uh, and that's been great I really enjoy that I've coached couch to 5k programs through BC as well and that's one of the best feelings I've ever had um, seeing those runners run a five sub 30 minute 5k for their first ever 5k it was an incredible feeling that I never would have thought it would have brought me much joy. Um, so that was very cool. Um, but the big, the big step that I'm taking now is um, I'm helping Dan to uh, coach some of these charity runners. He coaches like over 400 charity runners for Boston, and he's taken on this new role at Nike Boston. So this role of kicking off long runs every Saturday morning at the stores um, has kind of fallen into my lap. It's something that was optional. It was. Uh, Dan asked me if I'd be interested in doing it. I, I said yes, and that's been great. So every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we host we host runners at Heartbreak Hill Running Company. Uh, people that are mostly people that are training for Boston, but it's open to everyone. Um, two routes each week, and at 9:05, I'll kick off the runners. I'll give some coaching tips, some background information. People come up and ask me questions, and uh, it's helpful that I'm also training for the marathon right now that I can uh, kind of speak from my own training to them. Um, and then after after I kick them off, I get in the car and drive to the other store in the South End and do the same thing at 10 o'clock for, for another whole crop of runners. So that's 50 to 60 runners each week. And I've made some incredible friends through that, uh, met a lot of interesting people. Um, and it's it's just been something, you know, if a year ago from today, if, you, if you'd asked me, do you think you'll be kicking off long runs every single week, 60 plus runners, I would have like kind of shook my head like, I don't know. I don't even know how I would get into that sort of thing, and I love it. It's 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 really a part of my life that I uh, 
that I, I love. I really, really do. And uh, on top of that, I coach a, a hill workout every Wednesday, which I that kind of fell into my lap when I initially started. Um, it's out of the store at seven o'clock at night. So people will come post work and uh, just to get a quick hill workout in, easy warm up. And I write the workouts each week. Uh, it's year round, all ability levels. So I'm coaching runners that can run uh, you know, 30 minutes in a five mile race. And I'm coaching runners that are 75 years old and um, you know, I've never run a step in their life and, uh, having to do that, I've, I've learned how to do it and, uh, I've gotten better at it. And at this point it's, it's just like another day for me. Um, Wednesday night hill club is, is probably one of my favorite, my favorite nights of the week. Sometimes I'll be sitting there at six o'clock, like oh, I have to coach hill club tonight. I have to show, I just want to go home and sleep. And then as soon as people start walking in the door and as soon as we start the workout, I'm just immediately that, that goes away and, it and I'm happy. Yeah. So that's, that's my coaching profile right now and it's ever evolving. I'm, I'm hoping to do more, um, but I'm learning and I have a great mentor in Dan and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. So. And you're coaching yourself, which is pretty incredible because mm-hmm. you've been running some really fast times and put together some amazing training. Tell me a little bit about the process of coaching yourself. What have been the challenges in it? What have been the positives of it? And how have you created this program for Boston? Did you base it off of anyone else's training? Um, my program that I created for Boston for myself just came off of my own personal running experience. Um, I think what a lot of people a lot of people are surprised when I tell them that I'm coaching myself. Um, I think the important thing that a lot of people don't realize is that I've been running for a long time. Uh, it goes back to seventh grade. I've always just kind of been that type of person that, that is always looking for the reason something went wrong or um, how I can become a better runner. And through through that curiosity, I think I've really grown and learned a lot. Um, so the way that this started, it was a big decision. I, I kind of just sat down in December um, of this year and was like, I'm not going to ask anyone for help. I'm just going to I'm just going to sit down, I'm going to write a program, and we'll see how it goes. And that's what I did, and I've been fortunate that it's, that it's gone well up until this point. Uh, Dan, Dan will give me feedback from time to time. My friends will give me feedback from time to time, just chatting with other uh, you know, uh, high-level runners in the area, um, which is very helpful. But it's, it's definitely a stepping stone um, and a learning. There's a learning curve for sure. I don't expect it to go perfectly. I'm changing things every single day. I have a, um, a schedule that I set out for myself in December and, and I, I alter it almost every day. Um, workouts change, long runs change, just easy run distances change. And, uh, and I think that that's definitely, it's been a challenge, but uh, overcoming it, overcoming each day, definitely, I, I learn more and more from, from doing that kind of thing. So. It's 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 been fun. <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see what the end result is, but but it's also something to take a lot of pride in to be like, wow, I'm at you know I'm at this level and I'm able to coach myself in this way. And you do do a lot of your training alone. I know because of your work schedule and just your preference, most of your workouts you're doing alone. How do you stay motivated running alone? I think that's something a lot of people wonder: is can they really push themselves to their limit, to their edge, if they're by themselves? Right. Um, it's a challenge. For sure, um, a challenge that uh, I haven't always done a great job of excelling at uh, up until this point. Uh, and I think a big thing for me is just keeping everything in perspective. Uh, when I put Boston on my schedule way back last year when I qualified, 
it was on the schedule. That wasn't going to change. Uh, as soon as I got my confirmation of entry, I knew that I was running this race, and I knew that if I was ever going to run the Boston Marathon, it was going to be to the best of my ability. It wasn't going to be, uh, excuse my language, but half-assed. I, I wanted, to, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it to the best of my ability, and that's that's what drives me right now. Um, that's it's. I put three races on my schedule. Uh, four races if you count Boston. I did the Super Sunday five miler, um, the five college realtors ten miler, and the New New Bedford half, and then Boston. Um, and I've done three out of the four, and now Boston is the fourth. Uh, so it's it's just taking it one step at a time. I'm using each race as a training block, and now I'm into the final block here, and that's what keeps me motivated every day. That's what that's what motivates me to wake up and get out of bed and run. 10 miles in the snow by myself uh that's what does it for me i've got on my phone which no one can see except you i've got the boston marathon 2015 so every time i unlock my phone i see that and uh, it just reminds me of what i'm trying to do right now um and what i'm trying to accomplish so that's and i and i do enjoy running by myself um not every day no one i don't think anyone enjoys running by themselves every day i could be wrong but uh, running by myself just kind of allows me to clear my mind and uh, just just think about my day-to-day life and what's what's making me happy and, and what I want to accomplish. Most of my runs come in the morning, so um, that's the first the first time I'm thinking about what I'm going to do that day is that morning on my run, and uh, and I've really really enjoyed that this training cycle. Just running ten miles by myself every morning, thinking about what I'm going to do in during the day. Um, Workouts are a little different, but uh, but that's what that's what the uh, the Boston twenty fifteen on my phone is for to wake up and do workouts to see that and try to run it run it at a high level. So um, so that's how that's gone. And as you head into the final block of training with the tapering, what kind of advice do you have for people listening out there who are either tapering for Boston or just the taper experience? Um. So. To be honest with you, I'm I'm nervous about this part of my training because I've never I've never tapered for a marathon before. When I ran Vermont City, I uh, I definitely lagged in my training a little bit in April because I was helping my friend train for Boston, which is in April. Vermont City's in May, so my month of May was not consistent. It wasn't quality. Um, so I'm I'm a little nervous. But I think what I would tell most people that are training for Boston or for any marathon. It's just to remember that you've done a lot of work up until this point. Um, you've done a lot of quality work, and you don't want to you don't want to waste it at this point. You don't want to do too much. But a, a big part of my training, and it's going to sound simple, is just listening to my body, um, listening to how it feels every single day. Um, so I have a plan for what I'm going to do and how I'm going to taper off my mileage and how I'm going to feel good on uh, April twentieth. Um, I don't know how it's going to go until I actually run the race. But the biggest thing for me is just listening to my body, trusting that I've already done a lot of work up until this point. And I've always been a big believer that every day has its purpose. Um, whether it's an easy run and recovering or a workout, there's, there's a purpose to every single run. Um, and, and just keeping that in mind when I go out and lace up my shoes is definitely going to help me in this last part of training. So that's I love my that. advice. Listening yeah. to your body is key and that... It sounds like you're able to adapt your training on a day-to-day basis that's mm-hmm. so that throughout your taper, you're going to be really stay attuned to what you need mm-hmm. to be able to perform at your best. That's that's the plan. Um, yeah, I, I think so. So 
we'll see. <laughs> so have you made it public? What is your goal for Boston? I mean, I know I'm, I want to hear. I mean, is it that you want to hit the A standard? Is that the dream? Or is it a certain time you're trying to go for? Or a certain feel? What? Um, people people know. It's it's out there what I, what I want to run at Boston. Um, I try not to publicize it too much, but I, I would like to qualify for the Olympic trials. So for those of you that don't know, it's you have to run 218 for the B standard. That gets you in. Um, and if you run 215, that's the A standard. And that, that's... Um, which would be great. I haven't hit either of those yet. So right now, the goal is to run Boston in a strong way. Um, I want to go out conservatively um, and feel good. And if that brings me to a 218, great. If it brings me to a 215, even better. Um, I know what I'm capable of uh, just based on some of the workouts that I've done. But I'm, I'm going to really try to run within myself. I've, I've learned a lot from even the races that I've done in this cycle um, of, of how to run. It's a very long race, uh, a marathon. Um, a lot can happen over 26.2 miles. And, and if you go out, if you go out too hard and, and try to do too much, you can, you can blow up and, and have a terrible experience. So, um, I think my number one goal is to be conservative and to run within myself. And I, and I think if I do that, then I will run, I'll run a good time. And so that, that's, that's my only goal for Boston is just to be smart. I think. I love that running within yourself, I think, is such a lesson that everyone can carry with them to their own races, Mm -hmm. that it's you're trying to run to your capacity and no one else's capacity, really, but squeezing everything you can out of this being. Yeah, it's it's something I tell my runners uh, every every Saturday on long runs. I, I it was something I told them this past Saturday. They probably had no idea what I was talking about. Um, but I got up there and I just said, today you're, today's a down week. You're, you're not doing your longest run this week. You're going out and you're running 10 to 13 miles. Just go out there and practice being a runner. And all that, all that means is just listening to your body, feeling your body, and, and just learning how to go out there and find a pace and be comfortable. And that's a huge part of the sport, especially with, with distance running. Um, you know, you're not going out there and trying to run high intensity for 26 miles. You're trying to be smart and you want your last six miles to be the best. And that takes patience. And patience isn't something you train for. Patience is, is something that you can practice and get better at, uh, but not in the same way that you train, uh, you train to get faster. It's, it's different. It's a mental thing. Patience and is a mental muscle. It is, and people don't realize that. I think it's very uh, black and white for a lot of people. It's I'm going to go run and, and train and get faster, but there's just I think running such a mental sport, and uh, I think people forget that sometimes, including myself. Uh, I forgot it many times throughout this training cycle, and and that's why my only goal is to not forget it the day that I'm running Boston. So. Have you thought a little bit about what it's going to be like to actually cross that finish line and have built up for so many months and really a year for it Mm -hmm. and either the letdown, the come down, the excitement from it, have you even let yourself go there mentally or is it just getting to the starting line? Uh, Slowly. Uh, Like like I said, I'm taking it one race at a time. So I, I just ran New Bedford this past weekend. So uh, this past week was the first time I'm kind of allowing myself to look towards Boston and to kind of feel those emotions and and what it might be like. But uh, I'm really trying to not get too far ahead of myself. I would love to cross that finish line and just be excited about what I ran. But um, 
I think I think at the end of the day, just crossing the finish line and, and having said I ran the Boston Marathon is going to be um, the most important thing to me. It's always just kind of been there. I went to BC. It runs by the course, or uh, the course runs by the school every single year, and I've I've gone out there and watched runners. It's it's my dad ran it when I was little. It was he did the Hudson Mohawk Marathon and the Boston Marathon. Those are the only two ones. So I've known Boston my whole life. And uh, if I run a great time, I'll be pumped. But if, if that doesn't come, I'm, I'm just going to be happy to cross. And uh, hopefully that'll happen. But I'll, I'll be happy to cross. And that's the only thing I'm thinking about right now. That being said, I do get excited from time to time. If I'm ever out there feeling good on a run, I'm, I visualize some, some pretty pretty uh, fast times and, and some, uh, some, good, some good vibes <laughs> from crossing the finish line. But I try, I try not to get carried away. So... Yeah, I think you have a really good head on you about it. I mean, you really do have that patience, that mental muscle that you're working. And you've taken an incredible journey of baby steps. I mean, pretty fast baby steps. Yeah. (laughs) How you've periodized your training, but it's going to be great. And I can't wait to support you and see you out there. It's going to be a great day. Be looking for you. (laughs) Yeah. So to wrap it all up, I've started a new running on own tradition called the grab bag. And so for 90 seconds, I'm going to invite you into the grab bag and ask you <laughs> questions. And you can either answer in one word or a sentence, and we'll see how many you can cover. Okay. <laughs> okay. Favorite race distance? Oh, uh, I'll say 10K, even though I haven't done many of them. What did you have for breakfast today? I had... Um, a bacon, egg, and cheese on uh, wheat bread with home fries. Post, post-long run brunch. A book you think everyone should read? Um, ooh. I read Tuesdays with Maury in high school and had a, a huge impression on me. It's a quick read, and I really enjoyed it. So that's, that's my book. <laughs> Mountains or oceans? Uh, I'll say oceans. Favorite day of the week? Favorite day of the week would be... I'll say Thursday. Thursday because you can you can see the weekend. So, the most beautiful view you've ever seen in your life, and where? Um, Martha's Vineyard. Um, back in it was a vacation that we took. I think I was in college, um, and we went out to the to the the seashore in Menentia. I think is what it's called, and saw the sunset there, and that was breathtaking. So, my whole family. <laughs> in another life, you wish you had this talent. Um, uh, can I pass on that one (laughs) early bird or night owl early bird run with or without music with if I was to give you a plane ticket right now to go anywhere in the world you haven't been where would you go Uh, Italy and the last one is a blank a day keeps the doctor away um I'll say I'll say eggs. I eat eggs every single day, and I haven't I haven't been sick yet this year. So knock on wood. But awesome! Thank you so much, Lou, for sharing your story on the podcast, and I'm excited for Boston for you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to episode 117 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Louis Serafini runner and coach at Heartbreak Hill Running Company and Southend Athletic Company. As I mentioned at the start, Lewis's podcast is the beginning of the Rue Rises series. 
This week, I'm going for it. I'm going all in seven podcasts in seven days in an effort to help take running on OM to the next level, to help it grow, rise, and spread the stories of the amazing pioneers that I bring to all of you every week. Today, my Rue Rise request is that you go and rate this podcast on iTunes. All it takes is going to iTunes and pressing on one to five stars, whatever you see fit for the quality of the podcast experience. These little acts of helping Rue Rise will allow the podcast to gain more visibility on the iTunes interface so that more people can find the podcast and also help me continue to bring this podcast to all of you free, weekly, and at an even higher quality. Head to iTunes now, click on one to five stars, and help Rue Rise. Thank you all so much for your support. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.